Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Phil Murphy from ESPN is about to join us because we've got the NBA playoffs right now uh, where one game apiece between the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat and Golden State host Dallas this morning in game two of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, yeah, Warriors one zip up there. We'll talk about Josh Giddy, a bit about Dyson uh, Daniels as well, who's basically the next Giddy. He'll go into the NBA draft shortly and uh, find out where he lands. Phil, how are you, mate? Good to have your company again on uh, on the Mowers Club. Morning. Good to chat to you again, too. I've just settled into my hotel in Boston. I can see the entrance of TD Garden from my room. So this this feels like the uh, epicenter of Eastern Conference basketball at the moment. It's an off night today for the Celtics. But like you said, uh, over in Oakland, Golden State and Dallas are minutes from tipping off. Yeah, looking forward to that. Firstly, on the Celtics, how is uh, everyone feeling in Boston about their Celtics this year, obviously, huge support around the world, given the the, the prestige around um, around the team. But getting that win in Miami yesterday, how big? Uh, it, very, very confident, and it's not a town that lacks confidence, and, and nor should it, <laughs> given their championship record across multiple sporting codes in the last you know two decades. Thank you, Tom Brady. But this team in particular, this Celtics club. They played game one shorthanded, absent Marcus Smart, which we knew he was a doubt, but Al Horford having to enter health and safety protocols for being a COVID close contact at the 11th hour, the Celtics really didn't have an opportunity to game plan for his absence. And those are arguably their best two defensive players. Miami took advantage, scored 118 points, which is the most points Boston had given up in this postseason. But Boston still won three of those four quarters. They just had a, a terrible opening start to the half. So coming back in game two, getting both players back, they returned to form. And I don't think anybody expected the, the blowout that we saw, but we did see Boston assert its depth, its ability to defend the perimeter, and its ability to defend inside with uh, Al Horford. The heat, heat shooters went three for nine with him as the primary defender. So you start looking for you know all the different in-game contingencies. Boston has a lot more ways in which they can beat Miami. And now the next two are in Boston. And the consensus is that when we do go back to Miami in four days' time, the Celtics could well be up 3-1. Yeah. Uh, Phil, what did Miami need to do to, to rectify that? You spoke about the, uh, the the additions to the Boston lineup in, in game two. Jimmy Butler doing a lot of the heavy lifting there uh, on offense. Where is that help going to come? Is it off the bench from Hero and Oladipo? Well, I think Heroes won. He's only shot 25% from three in the playoffs, and that is a, a very significant statistic for Miami. When they outshoot their opponent from beyond the arc, and that just is a better percentage over the course of the game, they're 6-0 and this postseason. When they fail to, they're just 3-4. and So when the sixth man of the year is taking a high volume of shots but hitting just 25%, that's going to hurt your offensive efficiency. But another player to watch is Bam Adebayo. He just has been largely quiet 
And for a guy who on any given night can go for a double-double, he's had two games all season in which he had 40 or fewer touches. And those are games one and two of this series. So Miami has to get him involved. I do understand the temptation of with how well Jimmy Butler played in that decisive stretch in game one to just give Jimmy the ball and let him work. But if he's not able to facilitate guys like Hero and guys like Adebayo, then forget over the course of seven games, just in game three, Boston's depth is going to be too much. And that's just going to metastasize and get worse as we, as the series progresses. So I think those are two names that Miami has to get involved. And that's in addition to Jimmy Butler staying on his 35 point per game point per game pace. Uh, that game about to start. So Golden State, we um, have a laugh, but it's uh, behind every joke. There's the absolute truth, Phil, is the fact that down here in Australia, uh, Steph Curry, when he did what he did a few years ago, everyone went out and became a Warriors fan overnight. And then the Warriors sucked. So all of those singlets disappeared. They became Lakers singlets. <laughs> yeah. And now they all of a sudden, back. <laughs> all of a sudden, what do you know? Uh, it's back. It's it's all yeah. back. Is it fair enough too? I mean, what what have the Warriors been able to do, and and turn things around and get themselves back in this position after being so good those those few years ago? Well, I mean, they say the best of ability is availability, and it was two thirds of the way through this season they had Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry all on the floor for the first time in over a thousand days. So it was somewhere in that thousand days that they sucked, and now <laughs> they got those three guys back. They don't suck anymore. In fact, they're they're perfect at home in these playoffs, and they're winning by an average of 16 points per game in those home games. And they have home court against the Mavericks, and irrespective of who comes out of the East, if the Warriors do advance, they will have home court in the finals by way of having the best regular season record of the remaining teams. So it's going to be a tall order for anybody to knock them off if they're staying healthy. But what we've seen in this in game one of that series was forcing Luka Doncic into turnovers. And it was the first time in his playoff career and, and all the terrific accolades that he's rang up in the bubble in the playoffs and early in this in, in these playoffs, how great he's been. Game one of this series was the first time he had more turnovers than field goals. And, and it's why that game was over by three-quarter time. So uh, I, I don't expect that kind of slip from Luka again. But you just look at the depth of those two rosters with a healthy Steph Curry a healthy Clay Thompson as, as arguably the best spot-up three-point shooter in the NBA, Draymond Green on the defensive side and all the different ways that he can disrupt what an opposing offense wants to do. And then they, they're still hitting in the draft. They get a guy like Jordan Poole who wasn't starting at Michigan, and here he is. He can put up 29. If he put up 29 points today, it wouldn't surprise anybody. So the Warriors continue to hit in the draft, develop talent, and execute on their home floor in front of a raucous crowd. So uh, I would say buy those singlets now because they're going to be out of stock soon. I, I would tip Golden State to be the likeliest amongst the remaining teams to win the championship in the end. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and Phil, Dallas, the, yep, they need to control the ball and, and Luka needs to not turn it over. But they, they rode the hot hand against Phoenix um, from beyond the arc. They were 33% in game six and 48% from three-point land in game seven, only 22% in game one against Golden State Warriors. Yeah, you know what I want to see from Dallas is a competitive game because they're a fun team to watch, but the last four times they've taken the floor, it's been a 25-plus point margin. There hasn't been a lot of drama in the closing stages and to see Luka Doncic in clutch time, which is just, you know, for a neutral, terrific. It's the first time in NBA playoff history a team has played four games decided by 25 or more points. And they're two and two. So it's either they're getting blown out or blowing somebody out. 
I don't think that's going to be the case today. I can't fathom another 25-point margin, but it's going to take something really spectacular and perhaps Spencer Dinwiddie stepping up like he did in the first half of that Game 7 against the Suns because everybody wanted to talk about Luka outscoring Phoenix in the first half, which was staggering in and of itself. But Spencer Dinwiddie also had 21 points in that first half. He doesn't need to do that per se, but they need a big outing from somebody other than Luka Doncic if they're going to keep pace with Golden State. Even if they fall behind 2-0, it wouldn't necessarily surprise anybody, but it's, it really puts you under the pump going back to Dallas and knowing you have to win both games. They're going to have to steal one from Golden State at some point. No time like the present, but I think for Dallas more than anything is just be competitive in this game, instill some sort of belief that what they did against Phoenix was not lightning in a bottle and they are one of the better teams in the West. They, they are a very good team at defending the perimeter. They have the fourth best three-point percentage against in the NBA this season. But the three teams ahead of them are the three other teams remaining in the playoffs. So they, they mm. do need to defend the perimeter and find a, a Robin to Lucas Batman at, at some point if they're going to have a fighting chance against Golden State. And Phil, just uh, wrapping up the the NBA chat, Josh Giddy, um, when someone we think is exceptional doesn't get the top prize or what we think they deserve, we all blow up. He only got named in the second uh, NBA all-rookie team, not the first team. Do we have reason to feel ripped off because we love this guy down here? Well, in terms of talent, I, I think you do have reason to feel a little ripped off. But two things worked against Josh, and one is, is nothing he can do. It's, it's being in a smaller market like Oklahoma City. Um, you know, as great as he was and, and his successive triple doubles and, and, and doing all that he did there, he was garnering national interest, but not as if he, if he were playing for the Lakers or the Celtics or one of these pillar NBA franchises. But what I think it ultimately came down to was, you know, him, his games played total, you know, not going the full 82 and, you know, and, and Oklahoma City, understandably, erring on the side of caution with some injury. They have a young, terrific talent. They're not a competitive team. Why? compromise you're done in, in a situation where games are really not that relevant and they have loads and loads of draft picks over the next seven years I, I, he, if, if anything he was the all-rookie sixth man there's no shame in it but I, I think that kid's going to be on multiple all-star teams going forward and it's, it all comes down to how Oklahoma City utilized those draft picks and if they can build a franchise you know in this kind of post big three era that we have the big three is starting to fade away I say that as Golden State may well win the championship this year but you're seeing teams uh, like Phoenix like Miami like Boston build well through the draft get a young nice core of talent you sprinkle in some smart veterans uh, some guys who lead well in, in the changing room like an Al Horford for Boston if Oklahoma City can go that route and that avenue hitting the draft then it becomes a destination and we could see them you know make some noise in the playoffs and then Josh Giddey's career CV may say second team all rookie but if it has five to seven all-star selections I think this is going to be a, a minor footnote in the grand scheme of things but what is exciting is his trajectory and what his immediate future looks like he's a fun player to watch and he is somebody who's just continuing to I mean I, I can say this with you know I'd say this to if I were on radio in New York City not Sydney that it is the reputation of guys coming from the NBL is only helped by what yeah. Ball and Giddy and guys like that 
have done. And, and, and Dyson Daniels, by extension, I know he went to G League route, but just, you know, the Aussie roots there uh, only help his cause. Yeah, and Dyson is in the NBA draft and hopefully goes high uh, very, very soon when that NBA draft is done next month. Phil, uh, time's got us. Really appreciate your time, mate. Enjoy Boston, and uh, thanks for joining the Mowers Club for the morning. Uh, my pleasure. We'll chat again soon.